Hello everybody and welcome back to the Catch Cape podcast. We are today on season two, episode two. And today I'm going to take you to the other side of the planet. Well, depending where you are, but from Ireland, uh, we are going to go east into Taiwan. And Taiwan was a country that long, like for a long time, I didn't really know much about it. I just knew it was in Asia and quite close to China, but I knew nothing about the actual island, like what was on it or the culture. And the more I was researching about Asia and where I would go to, and I saw that it was like a biodiversity hotspot, I knew I had to go there. So the country actually is covered in mountains and forest. And you'd be surprised, over half of the country is covered in forest. So it's amazing, absolutely amazing for biodiversity. And they also like just hundreds of mountains and super high mountains um so it is amazing it's a wonderful country and like back a long time ago it would have been connected to china and you know gone through some deep history you know coming away from china because of the ice age and then eventually the sea level rose and taiwan became its own country so there's a long history there um and very, 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 very interesting. So today we will look at Taiwan, where I visited, the adventures. So you're talking like tea tastings, uh, canyon, canyon kind of exploring, uh, geoparks, like the most amazing rock structures that I've ever seen on this earth. And, and they are renowned globally. Um, where else did I go? Um, you, I went to visit these steep cliffs on the east coast that are considered uh, just so amazing because it has the tricolour of the Pacific Ocean. It was just amazing as well. Um, and a few other little bits I'll talk to you a bit about through the podcast. And of course, uh, I'll finish up again and talk about the bees, the bees, the bees, the bees. <laughs> really exciting week with the bees and the honey. Um, just amazing so last week uh, we did some honey extraction which was just the most oh like just so fascinating the experience and just so much reverence for the bees and what they do and it was just the most beautiful experience but also at times I felt a little um, because I do feel very uh, I am aware of our human impact on other species and uh, quite hyper aware of it so you know I always question myself about ethical um, work and you know at times when when we're working with the honey or we're in the hive like I'm always questioning myself you know is this ethical like you know taking the honey their food source but you know you just have to be very conscious of that and know that you know you only take the amount that is, you know, going to allow the hive to survive. And um, you have to be respectful of that because uh, it is a delicate process and you don't want to disturb the hive or disturb, you know, their their livelihoods. Um, because I have read some stories about um, 
uh, beekeepers well they're not actually called beekeepers they're called something else uh, bee behaviors or something they call them that they only keep bees for honey you know it's it's not for anything else like you know because we need to conserve pollinators um but yeah it's just some of the stuff that's done to the bees <laughs> nearly made me cry so yeah I will tell you about the honey process towards the end and um, you can feel the excitement that I felt and yeah a bit about the growing as well and the veggie boxes which are just booming booming so thank you to everybody who has supported me with the vegetable boxes and the farm box I'm delighted to share the produce and just again like it's it's wonderful that the earth and the soil can provide this nutritious food that is wholesome and real it's real food you know it's not from packets and it's what we should be eating for our biology and our anatomy and all the systems that go on in our body and all the trillions of cells we have like that's the food that our bodies need and not the stuff in the shop well you know you know yourself the stuff that looks real um so the realer it looks the better it is for you Okay, guys, and a final note, I want to say a big thank you to the patrons. Um, As you know, I do not have a sponsor. I am relying on you, the public, if you are a regular listener, to perhaps contribute um, like a cup of coffee to say thank you, to help me to keep this going and to help keep Uh, growing my conservation work because I do want to expand with the bees and I need to get um, more uh, I need to get equipment really and I am going to put the money that I have uh, um, put aside from the patrons towards that so that's a big 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 thank you from me and a big huge thank you for the bees <laughs> and that I'll be able to grow the conservation work um because like I guess it's actually might be interesting for you as well to know like a beehive like a good hive that's good timber and will last throughout winter is approximately 200 euros so they don't go down lightly on the money front <laughs> and um yeah so every little bit counts and if you are a regular listener and getting something from this message a contribution will be greatly valued and it will be going towards a good cause and it can simply be a once-off donation or a regular monthly contribution if you are uh, if you would like to subscribe and don't forget i do update um behind the scenes on the patreon Uh, with videos and other sorts of content and I will be going on an adventure with you guys very soon so I'm excited for that so guys let's get going on our adventures so landing into Taipei uh, in Taiwan quite a bustling city and I kind of like use that place as a base to explore the country so it'd work outwards from there and to be honest like not a lot of people well I don't I remember having a little bit of difficulty with the dialect because I don't remember finding it easy speaking English um yeah so that might have been a little bit of a, a an issue and as well like while I remember now going to Japan as well while I was over there 
Japan as well, I found a bit of difficulty with like the Japanese, like as in, you know, you can't expect people to speak English, but sometimes you just like, I was winging it. Like I didn't even, I didn't even bring a translation book or any of those things, you know? Um, but yeah, that was a little bit hard at times because at least like with Spanish, Portuguese, like Latin based, like you can kind of get there, but like, no way, no way could I speak Japanese, Chinese, any of that. Like no way. (laughs) Oh my God. Like I had no base. Like you're literally stuck to hand gestures, you know? So, um, if you're going that way, I definitely would recommend learning a few sentences if you can. And today when I talk about the places, uh, excuse my accent. If you are, if you speak, you know, any Asian dialect, I don't know because I'm going to probably not get it right. So there we go, guys. I'll try my best though in case you want to look up the places or if you even want to ask me by message on any of the, you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, I can let you know what the place is uh, just in case I don't pronounce it right. Um, so basically the country, it is phenomenal. It is nearly three quarters covered in mountains and forests, which is beautiful. Vertical cliffs on the east. And then just the most amazing landscapes. Amazing tea plantations, all of it. And they also have hot springs. And they're on like a set of tectonic plates. So very, very um, volcanic kind of history as well there. And yeah, just lush scenery. Absolutely beautiful. So... Uh, one of the interesting things I did in Taipei was uh, Mao Kong, I think it's pronounced. It's like a gondola and you go up this beautiful uh, kind of, yeah, steep valley and it's all like tea plantations and tea is very popular over there. So you would go to like a tea house and you would get a menu and like these are thick menus, like a proper menu uh, that could be like I remember looking at there was about 40 pages of tea and I was like um I don't know green black <laughs> just so much tea just absolutely fascinating um yeah so the tea culture there is massive and, and a beautiful ritual and it was so stunning to sit in these tea houses and look over the whole of Taipei absolutely amazing Another place I visited in Taipei, uh, well, actually, to be honest, it was a lot of food outlets. So, you know, like the markets where you would have all sorts and like you better be ready going in there because like there's just so much going on between lights, color. And then you just you just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. You know, I'm actually getting hungry thinking about it now, but it's all sorts of food, lots of rice, dumplings, um, amazing stuff and then you have things like bubble tea like then you have like unusual things like that and pineapple cake and yeah lots of um lots of green tea and matcha kind of flavored desserts then which are really interesting and really tasty like I loved that in Asia like the matcha flavored cheesecakes matcha flavored like kind of um roulades just like oh delicious um and another place actually I visited was um, the Starbucks, which might seem a bit funny, but it's the highest Starbucks in the world. And I just thought, like, why not? And, you know, to be honest, guys, now I'd be a lot more conscious with my choices uh, regarding the environment and, and big chains. But like that was years and years ago when I traveled Asia. Um, 
but um, I did go to the highest Starbucks and that was quite interesting. And it had a, you actually had to reserve there. Like you would make a reservation because it's just so unique. And you go up and you have all this like matcha flavoured cheesecake, matcha flavoured, um, what are they called? Uh, kind of like a Swiss roll, like a strawberry kind of matcha, just like desserts galore. Gorgeous. And then you'd have like all different like lattes and just really different to the normal Starbucks you'd go. Like really unique and really like um diverse flavors and yeah just relaxed up there and had some cake and tea and and stared at the landscape from above it was it was really actually nice experience but again it was kind of like a timed experience because you can't stay up there all day because there is reservations um but yeah so outside of Taipei I went to a place called Taroko Gorge I'm not even sure if that's pronounced right but um, it is considered the Grand Canyon of Taiwan and it is phenomenal. So kind of went out there and rented like a motorbike and went around all of the steep walls of this massive river gorge and just like water falling everywhere. I remember just being soaked the whole way like like I had shorts and a kind of a long rain jacket and a, just a light t- kind of string top but I was soaked the day like there was river water everywhere rain you're on a motorbike and then there's shrines as well absolutely stunning like deep red shrines out in the mountain on cliffs that you think like you're looking and you're like is that going to fall off you know just amazing and then also visited near this gorge like there's massive boulders as well like you know because you can do hiking as well through the um, the canyon and 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 up these like steep kind of cliffs and and jaw kind of jaw dropping like edges you know and you can like look down and see all these massive boulders that have fallen off the cliff sides it's just incredibly beautiful and all these tunnels as well and like if you if you're anyway claustrophobic you mightn't like it because the tunnels like they you might be in them like for quite a while yeah because we don't we don't really have much tunnels in ireland but abroad like you know, I remember even certain countries being in tunnels for ages and you're like, whoa, it's really dark. <laughs> but anyway, um, that was that. Then you can go out and see the, I think it's called the King Shui Cliff. And it's where you can, uh, it's like, um, like it's, it's over 20 kilometers. It's like a huge, like steep cliff, like absolutely stunning. And to be honest, going out there, like it was a bit like, oh god it's really kind of far out and away and do I really want to go and traffic and all of it but it was just worth it you know seeing all those the tricolor of the pacific it was just so stunning and the waves crashing against the ocean side and like you can actually surf in taiwan which i didn't even know at the time but you can which is amazing as well so yeah so that gorge is absolutely definitely worth a visit Another place I went to was called Yiliu. <laughs> oh, have patience with me now. Yiliu Geopark. And up there, it's kind of, if I think back, I think it's more north of the country. Um, a couple of hours from Taipei, where I was staying. But they are the most famous rock formations in the world and like when you see them like I love geology and I love rocks so like 
just a bit of a nerd in that area but like when I when I saw them I was like what like they say it's the closest thing to Mars on earth it's just like you're like is this even real like the rocks are the size of your head and they come out of the ground like all different shapes sizes angles and you just kind of get lost in them but it's it's by the coast so it's just kind of um weathering really and erosion so you have the seawater the wind and the waves and it just makes these really unique and kind of funny at times formations so some of the rocks even have names like um mushroom rocks and sea candles and one of them actually is called like the queen's head but you have to be careful going around her because she's quite famous (laughs) yeah so again like if you're into like geology landscapes kind of unique uh, earthly formations is definitely worth a visit and after that actually I remember going into the local market just across the road just got hungry and like I remember thinking like oh my god there's nothing to eat here for me nothing like it was all these weird like brown like dried fish and stuff or like kind of like insects and stuff and I was like oh none of this looks appetizing at all like I was like I want food (laughs) like there was like these fish that were like blown up you know and they were all dried out and they were all brown and I was like ugh I was like I'm definitely not eating any of this get me out get me out you know because sometimes you're at like counters and you're like there could be 10 buckets in front of you with all different like animals and you don't even know what you're looking at well I didn't I was just like what is all of this and then of course I can't speak the language so I've no idea but anyway that's just another little tip if you go I'd probably recommend bring a bit of food (laughs) just in case so another area I went to quite close to that uh geopark was a waterfall um also known as the golden waterfall and again, I'm going to leave off the pronunciation of the actual name, but it's it's known as the Golden Waterfall. And it is absolutely stunning. And you can actually look it up on uh, Ecosia, the, uh, the, the web, the web uh, engine that uh, plants a tree for every search. Um, you can look it up on their uh, site and see the picture of it. it like, because a, a picture actually doesn't do that waterfall any justice and it is uh so basically the color is due to the bedrock and the gold mining history so there were a lot of gold mines around there and in the water you have a lot of minerals such as copper and iron and like yeah it's just amazing but like I remember being there there was nobody there nobody um but again like I was visiting there in like April if I if I remember correctly and yeah, maybe it was still like just a little bit cold over there, you know. But it was amazing to visit it and not have any tourists because that's the best kind of situation really when you have it to yourself. Um, but again, like you can't swim in there because it's actually toxic. So don't go swimming. <laughs> just take your photo and just mesmerize, be mesmerized by all the colors and the brown and rusty kind of gold and just you can feel the history that was there so it's it's quite beautiful 
And another thing I did nearby was um, it's a place called Sheafen Old Street, which was like an old um, railroad. So there's still trains passing through and um, they used to transport coal. And yeah, it's quite a unique area. So you go up there and I suppose the tradition really is the sky lanterns. So you would make a wish and your wish would be lit up and it would go off into the sky. Now, again, I actually did do this, but now being more conscious and aware, like I'm aware that, you know, the environmental damage for lanterns and balloons is not, it's not good for the environment. But yeah, back in the day, whenever that was like five years ago, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't even think to question it, I suppose, because I just saw everybody doing it. And I, I think that's what happens a lot until you get a big wake up call. But, um, yeah, I, I just didn't, it didn't come to mind that it would be damaging. But apparently, you know, like that goes up into the air and it eventually falls down and it's litter. And, you know, it actually, they are actually banned in some places around the world. And um, that's good on those countries and states who have done that. But yeah, basically, it was, it was a lovely experience, to be honest. We had the lantern, we got to draw artwork on it, we got to write a wish and then stand in the middle of the railroad and before or after the train comes and um, you got to light it up and watch it go into the sky and watch your wish go like be sent away and yeah it was beautiful and then obviously the train comes at some point and you all get off and you all get a picture but like the shops on the side are literally like inches away from the track so you're literally like you're you're just like vertically like it's you're so close to the trade you have to be so careful um but it's really it's really old school you know really it's like going back in time um yeah but lovely and they also have a waterfall there called Schiffen waterfall and a big huge bridge which is also um an amazing visit so other than that they were kind of the main areas i visited and like it definitely is a country you should put on your list uh there's a lot of it like i haven't seen like there was so many mountains there as well that you could ascend that go up you know a few thousand meters absolutely amazing views like panorama like layered kind of earthly landscapes and then you can go out into other tea plantations that are just lush valleys with no infrastructure and yeah just phenomenal landscapes but again like perhaps check up beforehand whether you need to have a guide or maybe now they maybe like if you don't speak the language you could um get a translator or something but you know I always just winged it and I got I got on fine but if you are somebody who might feel a little bit discomfort without having any of the language yeah it might be good to look that up um another thing is that like I read somewhere as well that they are planting 6 million trees per annum, which is amazing because at one point, like, it was locked with China and the the skies were, like, it was known as a place that was just completely polluted, you know? So, like, well done to Taiwan for that. And, um, yeah, and another beautiful thing, they have 500 species of butterfly. So, like, that is just amazing. And speaking of butterflies, which are a pollinator, I'm going to roll you on 
to the pollinators. So this past week has been phenomenal. Um, the hives are just exploding. Like, so basically with the honey, um, the frames that are in the hive, so you have frames in the hive, and when the frames are ready, they're usually capped white, like wax cells, so it'd be all white. And then you get to basically remove the frame from the hive, uh, which is the process I don't really like doing because part of me is like, I'm taking their food. But then part of me is like, they do make a surplus. So it's kind of like, you just have to be gentle with them. And like, I almost think of it as it's in your energy as well. And just reassure them that like, you know, you're helping them and, you know, you're just... um you know, managing a beehive is better for us in the long run because a lot of them, maybe if they were self-managed, they wouldn't survive. You know, so yeah, it's an a it's a it's a delicate process, and you have to be conscious of that. But it's amazing. So basically, you remove the frame, and uh, a lot of them we removed just like with ease, no challenge, and the bees were really just cool with us taking the honey. But then like you might get a hive that's like not okay with that and they want to keep their frame of honey. So you just have to see how you manage that, whether you leave it or you take it, you know. Um, but yeah, but it's been amazing. So we removed a few uh, frames and then we went down, this was down with Hive Mind in Myrtleville. And um, you can actually book in an experience with them either through Airbnb or their website and actually experience all of this, which is amazing. Um, it's an, it's a, it's an unregrettable experience. It's amazing. Um, I'll never forget it. Like, so we took the frames into the, um, where the extractor was and we decapped the wax cells to allow the honey flow to come out. And then you basically put the frames into the extractor, four frames at a time. And then the extractor spins and it spins out the honey and flies it against the wall. And then eventually it goes to the bottom and you get your jar and you open up the tap and then the honey pours out. So it's amazing. I'm just like seeing it pour out. It was just like amazing. But then there was one stage it was pouring out so fast. I was like, oh my God, get more jars, more jars. And it was spilling. And I was like, what do I do? <laughs> just lick it. Oh my God. Uh, but amazing. And then you get your spoon and you give it a taste. So at the moment now, the the scent or the taste would be very blackberry-ish um, because that's what's kind of in flow. Um, but yeah, it's just um, the pollinators are fascinating. And as I research more and more, I just, I understand more and more. But then the more I understand, the more I don't actually know about what's going on, which is interesting, you know. Um, but the pollination is essential to our global food security, to yeah the diversity of plants that we have and the color that we see on the planet. Otherwise, without pollinators, we're screwed. Like you know, I was even listening to one extract about the bumblebee. So the bumblebee does a, a buzzing pollination, which no other bee can do, and apparently basically on the plant the plant will have its pollen you know when you look down at the opening and you see the pollen uh well well these uh specific plants such as the tomato etc they would have the pollen antenna and the the bee the bumblebee 
like no bee can no pollinator can get at it only the bumblebee and he has to do this buzzing pollination where he shakes vigorously and like his wings and like at an almighty speed to to get it open and to get it out and yeah like without the bumblebee being able to do that like we wouldn't have like the reproduction rate you know and essentially that's what we're looking at like pollination we're looking at reproduction of plants you know otherwise they can't how how do they you know and it's it's just so incredibly interesting that like the plant attracts the pollinator with the nectar it's like come over here i got some sweet drink for you and then in return the pollinator goes around and transfers the pollen from the male part to the female part and it's like voila there we have it like reproduction because plants can't move like they're immobile and I know this might sound basic, but it's it's kind of what we need to look at. We need to look at the basics of what actually is it. Like the plant can't move. The pollinator comes, takes the pollen and moves it on. And that's essentially plant reproduction. And well, you know, you can also have wind pollination where the wind will take it away. But we need pollinators and they're amazing species and they're doing amazing work at the ground level that... We just walk around day to day and we don't even like, you know, this maybe doesn't even come into our psyche because everything is so on demand. Like we walk to the shop, everything's there. Whereas if we saw the process and that's what beekeeping has taught me, the appreciation and the art of like how we get fruits and vegetables, like it's just phenomenal. Like the work, those bees work until they die and they work so hard and it's just like, it's mind blowing. I'm just like, how is this going on, you know? And yeah, it's just amazing. And I have so much gratitude to the bees. And like, even like a teaspoon of honey, like when you look at it, like how much work it actually takes. Like it takes so many bees to make one teaspoon. Um, so many, I think it's about 12 bees or something it takes in their life. So they die, like they, they can only fill up so much of a teaspoon. Something like a 12th or something. So like, it's just incredible like how much work and how many bees it actually takes to make honey and honey is like gold like it's all the from all the flowers like it's just pure gold um yeah it's just like (laughs) i just get so um in awe of the process you know and it's about time that we do have that awe and wonder and appreciation for all of it because they deserve it you know i don't think anybody works as hard as a honeybee um you know it's amazing um what else is going on so the growing i have been doing very well with the growing or the growing has been going amazingly um i now have the tunnel is just so green. I feel like it's a jungle when I go in there. I'm like, oh my God, my head. I can barely fit my head around the place. Well, kind of. But I have chilies. The tomatoes are reddening. Um, the watermelons are trailing up. It's so funny. Like, And they're expanding every day. They're only babies now. But like, it's you can see them forming, you know. Um, there's one the size of an egg. I'm just like, oh my God, it's so cute. So cute. Um... But yeah, everything is just kind of really exploding. I guess it's kind of end July. So we're still in that heat and we've had a few weeks of really strong weather, really like intense sunshine. I've even had to water the carrots outside. And if any of you are growing 
uh, roots or carrots, uh, make sure to um, give them a water because you mightn't even think it, but then you're like, oh God, there actually hasn't been rain for many weeks. Um, so yeah. And I see as well this week peppers growing, but they're only babies again, like they're like half the size of my palm, you know, but they're cute and they're coming along. So I'm really excited about them. And yeah, for anybody that was asking, like I put up vegetable boxes on um, Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And if you are interested or a local, just send me a message and I can make one for you, make the magic happen. And like the typical things I had in it were, uh, well, at the moment, from what I have, it's like potatoes, carrots, uh, onions, rhubarb, cucumber, courgette, tomato, eggs, maybe, um, depending on the laying, (laughs) depending on how many boxes. Um, What else do we have? Kale, I've all sorts of kale and kale is so good nutritious wise um and uh what else oh I actually have turnips as well this week so I've been uh sometimes you know you get so focused on a few vegetables that you almost miss the other ones I was like oh my god I have turnips under there but yeah I have to do my weeding again because you know the weeds just come along you do them and then they just come along again um and I'm doing it all by hand so it's uh intensive uh work you know but um I'm hopefully going to learn some new methods now of weed control for next year uh, because it is important and it is a lot of time like I have like matting down in the tunnel which helps um, keep the weeds off but um, yeah it's a it's a journey so I guess this week kind of environmentally yeah tips wise I would recommend as always um like regain and restore that connection with nature and realize that you are part of it and not separate and that it is one interconnected web of uh life and neither one can survive without the other so you can imagine trees and us the ocean algae and us like it's you know we breathe each other out of and in existence so neither one can survive without the other you know well, I mean, the planet, the planet would get along fine without us, but, you know, we give out the carbon, we take in the oxygen and, and reversal with the tree and, you know, the, the greenery. So that's just important to note that. Um, observe the pollinators, like observe what they're doing. And, and when you're eating your food and it's fruit and veg and remember that one in three bites of food is from is thanks to a pollinator. Um, so that's really important to know about that as well and just show the gratitude for all the work that goes into it and don't just like I know we're all culprits of it shoveling down the food like but you know take that moment take that time and be like okay like look at this food like it was produced and it was made by something and you know be grateful that you have the opportunity to taste it and and try it and and experience it you know like I think the on-demand culture created a mindset that was quick in a hurry and in the masculine a lot of the time. But, you know, I I truly see changes happening and I I want to see more, (laughs) uh, more appreciation and a slowing down. And if anything, this pandemic has been really beneficial for nature 
and has allowed us all to really consider our actions on the planet because to like I'll be honest with you I I didn't really pay that much attention to um whatever's going on in the media I don't I don't watch any of it I don't listen to it and I just get on with my life because I'm really conscious of the planetary collapse that is that may arise and it is occurring globally on a global scale every day there are communities countries you know going underwater seed like lack of seeds you know drought um their um their we'll say the livestock dead you know all sorts of stuff and i'm i'm so aware of this that i i, I couldn't possibly put my attention on all the media stuff because it's a big load of <laughs> i don't know ups and downs ins and outs and changes and i I couldn't waste any moment on that because I'm too focused on the the environmental uh, situation that we have, which is urgent. It is absolutely urgent, and um, and I focus myself every day on that and what I can give back and what I can do for the planet and my action and how that counts. Because I could feel, you know, pessimistic and sad for what is actually happening, which is sad, or I can take proactive, you know. I can get out there and get stuff done, which is what I'm doing. And I'm bringing you with me. I'm bringing you all with me. If you're listening to at this point, like I appreciate you being here and listening and caring. And it means everything because like, it's not about me. It's about all of it. It's about the whole earth as a whole, as a living element. Uh, there is not one thing separate from the other. Not one thing can live separate from the other. Um, and yeah, it it makes me emotional at times because I know I know what is coming for the future if we don't act and I guess every day I try to at least prevent a little bit of that by doing my little bit. So yeah, and education is key, you know. So I just want to thank you for being here with me on the podcast and listening and tuning in and you know, like some people say to me at times, you know, like, How are you so like you know, vibrant and, and, and you're like a light, a light beam, like some people said before. And and like the reason I I am or I, I can be like this is because I've seen the dark. I've seen so much darkness. I've seen the shadows. I've seen I've seen a lot of darkness in the world and a lot of really sad things. And I choose to go the other way but I really feel that if you can face that if you can go into it if you can not choose ignorance if you can choose to see it all as it is the sadness that it is and the terror that's happening you can go the other way and actually get proactive enthusiastic you can become excited about solutions and our future here and the amazing things that are happening and can happen and the rebirth of our earth that will flourish if we give her the attention and hope and um, the protection she needs. So yeah, it's all about that, the regeneration. So thank you guys for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed Taiwan. A beautiful country, super biodiverse and definitely add it to your list. A huge thank you again to the patrons who are supporting the podcast and all of this work that's going into the you know, environmental education and, and all of my work with the bees, like uh, the contributions are being put towards that. So I am so appreciative and I can't thank you enough because 
yeah, it's keeping me going. <laughs> it's keeping me going. And I love that you all care about the planet. Uh, it means a lot to me. So a little note is to get out into nature this weekend, go into a forest, put your feet in a lake, jump into the ocean, do something that lights your soul on fire and enjoy it. And I will see you all soon for another surprise adventure. Okay, guys, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Ciao.